Welcome to the Cross Chaining Podcast. I'm your host, Bernard Mayer. In today's episode, I talk to Barry Poe, who is the founder and owner of Endearin, and we dive into a little bit about the company, what made him start Endearin, and what his philosophy is behind the products. We also chat a little bit about uh, what kind of things you should be eating while you're riding, whether you're just starting out and doing your first 50K ride or doing a a multi-day stage race we chat a little bit about what's helpful to eat um, and uh, what you can what you can kind of put through your body and put into your body to help you have a better race or a better day uh, or just complete your event um, with more ease <laughs> uh, alongside him was Bert Poe who most of you will know as wheelies for the feelies Bert is a really close friend of mine and he kind of runs the marketing and he runs the uh, social media and brand strategy for Endearin um, and he sat alongside Barry and uh, filled in a couple of the blanks. So um, huge shout out to both of them for for sitting and, and having a, a really rad episode and for allowing me to come into Barry's house um, and record over there. So that was super fun. Uh, once again, remember to use that offer code CC when you check out uh, at the Endurin site um, at endurin.co.za and you'll get that uh, 5% discount and I also get a little kickback for the pod. So uh, it's a really great way to support me um, and it's a great way to support the pod if you think what I'm doing is rad. So yeah, enjoy the episode. I'm really excited to announce that I've partnered up with Local Grind for season two of the podcast. As most of you are cyclists listening, I have no doubt that coffee is part of your daily staple. If you're mad about coffee, Local Grind, South Africa's largest online collection of locally roasted coffees, is giving away a coffee hamper to the value of a thousand rand. All you have to do is go to the link in our bio and fill in your details and hit enter. The lucky winner will be announced at the end of Cross Chaining Podcast season two. Alrighty, um, Barry, welcome to the Cross Training Podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, thank you for the invite. Exciting to have a little chat today. Amazing. So the other guest that we also have here today is the other half of Endurin, uh, Bert Poe. Um, and he's going to, the episode is absolutely not about him, um, but <laughs> he's going to chime in uh, at some key sections where, uh, where it's, where it's going to be vital to, to get some more info about the brand. Um, and yeah, we're going to discuss a whole bunch of things. So I'm really excited to, uh, dive into this conversation. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think it's going to be a cool episode. Cool. Yeah. Excited. <laughs> I would say quarter of endearing, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. We'll yeah. hear, we'll hear more about it. Yeah. Um, Barry, so you're the founder and the owner of Endurin and also uh, Endurin is obviously a long-term or a long-time partner of the uh, cross-chaining podcast, which I'm super grateful for. So super cool to actually, this is the first time we've met in person, which is also crazy. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to hear more about sort of your story and the, the origin of Endurin. So um, let's jump straight in. Where where did cycling start for you? Where does your where does your love for riding come from? What's that story? Yeah, I must say that goes way back. I grew up in a family of uh, five five kids of uh, four are serious cyclists, including myself. 
Um, I was quite late, seven years behind my brother, closest to me. Um, so I kind of grew up next to the uh, cycling track on Friday evenings in Pretoria where they were racing uh, track cycling. And then on Saturdays we would be in the car supporting uh, behind them uh, on uh, road racing. So yeah, that, a lot of my primary school was spent uh, supporting older brothers racing. Um, and uh, yeah, at that stage I started riding a BMX, um, which I really loved. Um, you know, so already from early days, I kind of liked the more the off-road side more, but uh, there weren't really any racing in those days. So I did race uh, on the road in high school. Um, yeah, and then went on to pedal car racing at uh, late late uh, high school with my brothers who were in university then. No way. What, wait, just explain <laughs> what's pedal car racing. Yeah. <laughs> so it was quite a big student sport in the late 70s through, through 80s. And it's basically six people in a team. And you race laps very much like uh, Formula One, but after each lap you'll change. Okay. The a little bit slower. Yeah. The, <laughs> a little, the, just a little the bit slower. The level will change. <laughs> yeah. So, and uh, it was normally six hour endurance, endurance race. Okay. So, uh, it was quite a fun team sport to, to, to do. Okay. Um, There's a touch of photo or something. It looks re it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we was actually, we'll, we'll try yeah. and find some. We'll f find a photo of Barry in a car. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks exactly the same. Uh, no, I've got a black and white photo somewhere. I've got one of my dad at home that I can send you. Yeah. It's very cool. Some real memorabilia. Yeah. <laughs> Real okay, so that's school. that's where the that's where the yeah, love that's for that's kind of where where it, where, it's, where cycling and the love for cycling started. Yeah. Okay, and then you just carried on riding like yeah through so um, sort of uh, pre grad university. I uh, actually windsurfed more and r didn't ride that much, and then I came down to Stellenbosch to do a masters. Uh, and that sort of early, well, 1990, and that's kind of when mountain bike racing started in South Africa, and I immediately got roped into that. And then, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And downhill as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in the old days, obviously, downhill was on the same bike than what you raced yeah. across country with. <laughs> Basically, a gravel bike these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. V-brakes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that's super cool because, uh, yeah, everyone everyone who's listened to the pod knows how I feel about downhill and just mountain biking in general. Um, and, yeah, downhill, especially in those days, like, uh, the, I think internationally the dudes like Steve Pete were kind of just starting to make an international scene about downhill mountain biking and um there's so many videos from that era like early 80s uh of guys just having the best time on these bikes with these super narrow bars bizarre like suspension setups um but yeah it's just super super cool to yeah, see so so i mean the, the really old days um in the 90s we had actually three world cup downhills in stellenbosch that karina slema organized and mm. um yeah so the big names of those days were Probably John Tomac, uh, who wrote for GT, and then Sean Palmer was also quite a quite a character. Yeah, and uh, Greg Minow actually raced 
Stellenbosch when he was 16 years old. Crazy. Yeah, so that's the first time I saw him. And he's still... And he's still, yeah. Still winning. Of his game. <laughs> Did uh, John Tomac come out to Stellenbosch? I don't think he came out. I think Palmer came out, if I remember correctly. Yeah, wow. it's, um, I'll have to go and check those details. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, I think that, that whole scene of like South African mountain biking... I mean, obviously, I, I wasn't alive <laughs> then, <laughs> but it just has such an appeal to me of these guys just riding these bikes um, and just the term like underbiking gets a whole different meaning with those guys. I mean, you didn't really have amazing frame quality. You didn't have amazing brakes. You had terrible brakes. You had yeah. shitty tires. Everything was like kind of subpar Absolutely. Um, and they were just absolutely shredding it. So it was it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I, cool. I, I think the other iconic event was the um, Sagefield Nationals. That was also, I think, 91, 2, and 3. Maybe even 1990, I can't remember now. But, um, yeah, where everybody just gathered and camped. Uh, and day one would be cross-country, day mm. two would be downhill, and day three would be trials, foot-ups, yeah. foot as we call it those days. So, yeah, it was... Uh, Proper festival. You know? Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever do any trials? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's like real, just like wheelies real for the wheelies here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those days was like proper basic stuff. You had to ride over a couple of stumps and do a track stand and <laughs> stuff like that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, okay, so I want to just move move the conversation along a little bit. Uh, you're an engineer by trade. Yes. Um, so at what point did you decide that making a nutrition brand uh, for cycling specifically um, would be would be the next sort of thing that you would do? Um, where does that where does that fit into an engineer's brain? <laughs> So that that almost happened by chance. Uh, I was I was still um, racing quite a bit in the sort of early two thousands, and I was a silent child in a company called Organics Foods. Okay. Um, and I had trouble with uh, sort of tight chest while I was riding, and also like mucus build up in your in your throat kind of thing, mm. coughing and spitting and carrying on. And yeah, I so said one of the directors, just the one day I spoke to him and I said to him, I had this problem. And he said, well, bring me this stuff that you're drinking while you're and eating while you're riding. I'm, I'm sure I can help you. And it turned out to be the additives in the, the drinks and food that we used to use those days that gave me these problems. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, and then we set off and we, we developed the, the endurance drink. Okay. So what, what specific additives and stuff were so they? Were? The, typically, uh, colorants is a, is a big culprit, and then okay. um, preservatives, um, flavorants, um, things like anti-caking agent that a lot of guys are still, still using. Okay. Um, and then obviously artificial sweeteners uh, is also a, a, an issue. Okay. So when you started the brand or started like figuring out your own ingredients and your own set of ingredients. What was the kind of philosophy that you uh, wanted to carry through your products? Um, obviously, you, you didn't want the tight chest and the mucus buildup and that kind of thing. Um, but what was the sort of key, like, 
North Star for the Enduring products? Yeah, I think we, we, there's a couple of things we wanted to try and avoid all um, side effects. So okay. things like stomach, so it had to be stomach friendly, it had to be easy to drink, um, you know, try and get rid of the, the mucus build up in your yeah. mouth and your throat kind of thing. Um, so clean, I would say, if I had to use one word, I would say we wanted to bring out a really clean product. Okay. Okay. Amazing. And um, I mean, like, what are those, what, what were the things that, that when you, when you started um, figuring out uh, how to do that, um, what was that testing period like? How did you go through, did you just like get a whole bunch of samples? Uh, and then start testing a whole bunch of things. Um, how did that process? How did that process work? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the first thing was to, um, you know, get rid rid of all these unwanted things. So yeah. we just, I mean, we started with very basic carbohydrate building blocks, uh, and then we basically start started with just glucose, which is a obviously a fast release. And then we realized as we went along, we also for longer rides wanted slower release okay. carbs in the mix and we, we slowly built that um, our endurance drink okay. um, just you know using clean carbohydrates okay amazing um, and then at what point did you realize that this was actually something that people really enjoyed uh, something that you could sell to a, a larger audience um, did it go through a period where, where you were like, okay, maybe it's just kind of uh, a thing that, you know, we can keep pretty, pretty small or like, yeah. at what point did you realize like, this is a business? In the is, beginning, it was a really a, a pet project, you know, yeah. so it was sorting my, my issues out. And then I had friends who also did marathon running and a lot of paddlers. Um, and these guys started using the uh, endurance drink and had really positive feedback on it. Um, you know, so then I started, we started realizing that there, there might be a, a bit of a market for, for this kind of thing. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, so the first up till 2010 was really, uh, I was a silent partner in the business. So, and that was, you know, Endurance was also not their main focus. Mm. So we were basically just in a couple of bike shops in, in the Western Cape uh, okay. for those early seven, probably first seven years or so. Okay. And that's where a, a, a small magician like Bath Poe comes in <laughs> and then has a, 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 an awesome impact on, on the company as well, right? I mean, so um, Bath, you studied marketing as well as fine art. Uh, so there's a whole creative side um, that can accompany the engineering brain as well. Um, so at what point, yeah, how did you, how did you get involved in the company? Obviously you guys are related. <laughs> You're sitting here both looking exactly the same. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, how did you, uh, how did you get involved? Um, and what was your sort of starting off? What was your, your main role and what were the things that you wanted to, uh, take off the list as you, as you got involved? Yeah. So firstly, there's, I think we're skipping like. 10 years, you know, seven years between that point that Barry's describing now and when I joined. Yeah. So by the time I joined, um, you know, Indiran was already had like very good market saturation and like at the Western Cape, um, especially in bike shops and so on. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think I just started out, I was still doing a bunch of other things like freelance work and um, I, I was just really, I mean, obviously just chatting to Barry and I was also a cyclist myself. I was very passionate about it. And so um, started helping out with small things like social media and, you know, just being a bit of a soundboard, I guess, for, for mm, Barry. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, so I've always thought, you know, it's for me, it's been very, I've been very fortunate that the products are so like so good mm. because it makes it easier to um to market and, and to promote them because yeah, exactly. they actually so work like, it's not a so by the time i joined like the product development a lot of that buried already and that's what barry is very good at mm. um it's like the small attention to detail when it comes to the products um and uh, yeah i just i always just think you know, he just he need, just needed more hands to do all these mm. things. It's and they are obviously things he's better at than than you know, like saying so, you know, when the stuff I helped with coming from like a, a art degree and mm. um, that's I guess yeah the more like creative direction stuff. Um, yeah, and just getting getting it like out to more people and like yeah, that's just been really enjoyable because yeah. I. I want to be selling more of it. You know, it's like, I don't feel it's unlike some other, Sen I worked for, uh, like we were talking, joking earlier about like, Sen I worked for like British American tobacco. Or something. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I would feel really bad, like <laughs> trying to get more people to use my products, but I really don't see any negatives with, with this mm. product. And, um, I also feel it's like, I always say it's like almost like a democratic product. As yeah. well. It's like, it's South African and it, um, it's, it's, you know, a, a fairly affordable within this range mm. of, of nutrition. So I also don't feel like it's out of reach to, you know, psych like that average cyclist, which yeah. is quite nice. Yeah. yeah it feels good. Yeah. 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 yeah I, f I find like, that's obviously one of the things that I, like the most about Enduran is that it's it's South African, it's made here, um, and that it's it's produced by South Africans. And then also mm. the fact that you can it's so accessible. You know, it's mm. like especially if you're if you're buying um, you know uh, bars or product for an event, it, it gets really expensive mm. really quickly. And then you're placing that on top of your race entry, on top of anything else, your accommodation and your bike kit and everything. Like it adds up and. Mm. If it can, if it can start saving you money, um, you know, at the point where you're eating, mm. uh, then that's that's a really great um, that's a really great benefit. Um, yeah, and like in the bigger scheme of like, obviously it's relative, like that something is affordable, like but like for you know, and it's like we don't have to like cut any corners or anything. It's just yeah. that's just the nature of of our brand. Um, is that it is accessible and yeah affordable. Mm. Yeah. So at um so your your role has kind of uh encapsulates Expand. expanded and encapsulated a few things uh at the company. Um but you've also done a really cool sort of rebrand of uh or like a, an alignment of the brand across mm. all the bars, the uh the powder yeah. um and all the different products uh and that how did you how did you come about like figuring that whole thing out? Um, what was your 
sort of inspiration, I guess, there? Uh, or was it just like, we need to kind of unify the look and feel of the brand so everything spe speaks the same design language, it's easy to understand. Um, what was your thinking through that process? Yeah, so I, I mean, that's also what I really enjoy. I always joke like, both Barry and I do like 13 different jobs each. Yeah. <laughs> to like, and, and I always, you know, like, I won't say I'm the best in the business at any one of them, but you know, it's like, you have to, it's been, interesting to like yeah solve issues as they come up for the brand and the business yeah. so yeah when i joined i just thought there's definitely room for um aligning the the visual parts of the brand with what i know that the product is about um so yeah it was going for more like natural tones in the branding and um yeah, also just simplifying it a bit and a bit cleaner and um, mm. I guess even a bit softer. Uh, yeah, and then just for all the labels and we redid the website and um, got some new kits made and um, yeah, yeah rebranded re everything. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, a, it's, it's amazing because yeah, you can the see those. Yeah. You can see the, you can see the continuity throughout the whole brand. Mm. And it really, I mean, it helps to obviously speak a unified language behind yeah. all the products, whether it's a gazebo or, or a, a cycling tea or a bottle or whatever it is. So, um, that's, that's very cool. And I think, uh, really effective. Uh, so well done. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think I want to ask, I want to kind of move away from the conversation about Indiran. Um, and yeah, without, without sort of trying to, trying to punt the brand too much, we, we spoke about this a little bit before, but we want to try and talk about, um, there's a, a whole bunch of different, uh, like levels of listeners, um, people who have just started writing, people who are trying to get into writing, um, and then people who have like me as well and Bert and you as well, just been riding for 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever it may be. <laughs> Tell me when to stop. Um, <laughs> um, so no, I think you are my age. I can't yeah. do that. <laughs> um, I want to, I want to try and sort of answer a few questions that I've had people send me as well. Awesome. Um, and yeah, I think basically it's, it's, it'll be good to start from the beginning. So if I'm someone who has kind of just, uh, the cycling bug has just bitten, um, I've just started riding, then I remember when I, when I literally first started doing long rides sort of on my own on a road bike and, you know, 40Ks, um, I remember bonking, you know, horribly because I just didn't understand that, you know, I had a bottle of water. Like that was my, that was my nutrition for a day. And like, I'd, if I was on a good day, I'd have a bowl of oats, you know, for breakfast. And I somehow expected that to sustain me for 40, 50, 60 Ks. And it never would. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So, um, still it's hungry. Yeah, I'm still hungry <laughs> <laughs> even now. <laughs> um, so I think it's, it's something that, that I always say to people when they just start riding, um, like the importance of eating while you're on the bike. And it's not something that you naturally want to do while you're cycling. Um, especially if you compare it to running, like that's just, you don't eat when you run unless you're doing, you know, 50 Ks, 40 Ks. 
uh, I may be completely off there, but anyway. Um, so yeah, just just from from your perspective, someone who who knows a lot about this industry, someone who knows a lot about uh, nutrition in this in this side of thing, uh, in the side of things, what would you say is is a pretty good benchmark for those who are just getting into cycling? Um, what should they be looking to to try and eat, to try and drink? Uh, what are those kinds of things? Yeah, so I, I think up to an hour of riding, you you probably fine fine with water. Um, mm. You should make your way home without taking Just. on <laughs> taking on any fuel. Um, and then yeah, w- once you start going over an hour, you you want to look at between. Yeah, you know, I would say up to three hours between thirty and sixty grams of carbohydrate per hour. Okay, what does that um, roughly uh, so translate that, into? That would be, say, for example, a, a, a like five hundred mils of a carbohydrate drink. Okay, a typical carbohydrate drink. You want to be at a five to six percent solution. Okay, um, and uh, maybe you know, a handful of raisins or a couple of dates or a banana mm. um real real, real food, food as well yeah. Like, mm. it's also yeah especially when when you're training you know it's and it's fairly uh easy to eat anything uh, i think that that's also a big thing to understand for someone coming from running it's much easier to eat on the bike than it is to eat while you're running mm. um you know your your stomach is fairly Stole, you yeah. Know, it's not b- bouncing up and down, like, <laughs> unless you're on every, too on hard. Every, unless you ride like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's definitely much more feeding options if you're cycling versus running. Okay. Um, yeah, and then if you go start going over three hours, you can look at up to ninety grams of of carbs per hour. So you take an extra banana or an extra handful of raisins or. What, whatever you prefer to okay. eat or energy bars or gels or, uh, you know, whatever's convenient really. Is it, is it so much about um, always trying to actually eat something or is it okay if you, if you just keep it concentrated to, to drink? Like can you, can you get away with just drinking if eating is maybe quite tough to do sometimes? Because I know I have issues sometimes if, if I've been riding for a long time and I just, I just can't eat anything or it's too early sometimes at a race or something can you get away with just the drinking or yeah so what you find a lot of guys would even in in racing would uh, take concentrated liquids in early in the race when yeah maybe there's a bit of a difference between mountain biking and road riding there Mm. you know like the tour guys would start you know tour de france kind of Mm stage racing they normally don't start out that hard so they'll start eating early on okay but if you're doing like a argus or our typical road races here normal and mountain bike races start out hard mm. uh, so the guys tend to go a bit more liquid in the beginning and then towards the end um they'll when they start actually feeling feeling hungry mm. they'll eat solids okay um, yeah, so so there's no reason not to just go for liquids, but it's um, I, I think almost naturally you get a hungry feeling at a stage, and the you know only thing that helps for that really is, is an actual bit of food. food. Yeah, yeah. Actual, <laughs> yeah 
Whether that's a, a banana or a bar or, or yeah, whatever. whatever you can get down kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's always the tricky bit. Yeah. I think <laughs> like um, I, I know when my girlfriend Anya, she started riding, it was always the, the toughest thing to try and convince her like, you have to eat something on the on the bike um, because she was a really good runner um, and just never never really like right. yeah believed that you should like eat while you're riding. Um, now of course she does, uh, but it it's it is an interesting it's a, like a tricky thing to to kind of learn. Um, you have to experience it, I think. Uh, yeah, on the and bike. I, I think also the. Big thing to understand is that you can actually train your gut, like like you can train your leg muscles or your mm. arm muscles or whatever. It, it takes time for your gut to get used to absorbing these carbs while you while you're exercising, mm. and therefore you actually want to start off with lower concentrations. Um, you know, if you're a new rider, you'll probably see that you tolerate less carbs per hour than a proper trained rider. I mean, the, mm. the Tour Tour de France guys would literally do up to 90 grams per hour. Uh, I saw an article on Matthew van der Poel the other day who does, he takes up to 120 grams. Jeez. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that's, uh, you know, there's no, like even I, after years of riding, I know I won't tolerate yeah. that. So that's like four or five bottles of, if, if, if you were to translate yeah. it into bottles, that would be like four or five bottles of just like solid carbohydrate yeah. drink. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's almost, you can almost not fathom it, but I mean that, I think that's sort of one of his advantages. Mm. Um, he's mm. just, he's just special. Yeah. Uh, in that way. I mean, yeah. In, yeah. in more ways yeah. than one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can just eat the exactly. yeah, yeah. It's amazing. What a gift. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like they always joke with the ultra distance, people they're like it's a race about who can eat the most essentially yeah. before you start feeling ill um and i think also the, the longer the ride the more important variety becomes so that's like what barry was saying about the, the raisins and the nuts and the, like those things are nice in conjunction with a bar and a gel mm -hmm. and what you know so um yeah because after a while you can't just have the same what do yeah. they call it like taste taste fatigue, fatigue taste or something fatigue, yeah exactly. <laughs> Tired, your legs are tired and your mouth is tired. <laughs> my, my taste buds are so tired. <laughs> yeah. I can't ride anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I definitely like totally mm. back that. Um, and if you can, I, I don't know if this is a good thing to do, but I love a salty, something salty. Absolutely. I always have a craving for, mm. um, it's the worst, but like, uh, they don't even make them anymore, but Lay's chips <laughs> are like on a long, long day when you're when you've been sweating for like 10 hours and you need to eat something, a Lay's chip, a I salt and vinegar chip really hits the spot. I, I don't think, I, I don't think I've told Barry because he would, would be very upset, but on the Cedar, <laughs> I, um, I actually had a pack of a few packs on I think maybe two packs of Fritos halfway. <laughs> this is like, this yeah, is that's like, about as bad as it gets. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, sometimes when I when I was a kid I went to the, the hairdresser and then like my mom would always come with me to the hairdresser and I would always admit to my worst mistakes in front of the hairdresser <laughs> yeah. so she would never get mad so yeah, that's exactly, exactly what just happened <laughs> I'm the hairdresser yeah. <laughs> wow. uh, I just ate lots of different things and I was fine yeah. <laughs> you made it I mean you at least yeah. finished 
Um, you didn't have Fritos. <laughs> yeah, that's why my frame broke. Because <laughs> yes. I didn't eat any Fritos. That's basic engineering. Yeah. Um, okay, so so you're starting out, you've just uh, started writing, you're getting into it, um, and it's a good thing to grab a couple of dates, some raisins, um, and then you said like 30 uh, grams of carbs per, per hour if you start going more than an hour. Yeah. Um, so I 30 think. 30 to 60. I think. 30 to 60. 30 yeah. to 60. Okay. Um, do you find, is there a difference in, uh, do you reckon that, uh, women should have more or less or men should have more or less per hour or is it, uh, is it completely the same or is it different for, uh, yeah, there's a lot of theories out, but I, I mean, in general, I do think men need a bit more than, than women. And I mean, they, you know, so I think it's British cycling based, they're feeding on the weight of the rider. Okay. Uh, but then there's a other, uh, another group of thought that just says, you know, they stick to the 30, 60, 90 yeah. grams, no matter what your weight. Okay. But in the end, you got to figure it out for yourself. Everybody's mm. different. Mm. I think that, that's a very important thing that a lot of brands don't communicate uh, enough, mm. is that you have to experiment, you have to see what works for you and also what you can what you can tolerate yeah um it's yeah it's unfortunately not it would have been great if there was one solution for yeah <laughs> but uh yeah i think the the it's very important to understand that people are different okay okay um and then so now i'm just putting myself into the into the mind of of a new rider who has uh now started riding they're getting really into it um, and they're quite used to the normal like eating uh, periods that they have to do um, sort of hourly trying to get 30 to 60 grams of carbs in They're They're nailing that. Uh, but now they're starting to do a multi-day sort of events. Um, so this can be something maybe where maybe let, let's, let's cross it over. So maybe a two prong question. If you start doing a race like we have here in the Western Cape, like the Cedar, where you're riding a 250k race, um, and that's a single day event. Uh, that's obviously quite an endurance-oriented uh, event. Um, and then on on a different side of that, I guess you get sort of a multi-day mountain biking stage where it's maybe 50k's day one, 60 day 60k's day two. Uh, are you are you how are you planning for the for for the difference there? Um, if you had to kind of put those two together, so. The one day you're doing a, a huge kilometer, um, you're doing many, many Ks right. the, the next day or the next uh, event, you're sort of, it's way less, way fewer Ks, but you're sort of, I guess you're eating for the next day at that stage. Um, so yeah, how would you, how would you weigh those two options up? Yeah, so I mean, on uh, so let's start with a long one day event. Uh, you know, they once again, variety is a, a big thing and I basically, on a thing like that, you got to eat as much as you can tolerate. Mm. Top it off with fritos. At the <laughs> <laughs> Frito snacks. Yeah. You, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, guys get, yeah, I, yeah. Okay, I, I was almost going to say guys get more into trouble because they didn't eat enough, but it's not true. Some guys do overeat or overdrink and then, mm. you know, they've got nausea, which is also not ideal. So... Yeah, a really long race like that is a, especially your first one, I think is a bit of a shot. Fine in balance. The, yeah, yeah, shot yeah. in the dark mm -hmm. almost. 
Okay. Um, and yeah, it might be better to underfeed, bonk, and then eat and <laughs> hope you make it to the end than getting the nausea. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I guess um, if you start uh, getting nausea and you start throwing up, then I guess you yes. run the risk of dehydrating, which Absolutely. is not, yeah, not and, ideal. Yeah. And just be so uncomfortable that you can't finish. Well, yeah. if you, if you bonked, I mean, and you sit down a little bit and you, you know, I often speak to guys that say on these really like day long rides, mm. they got to a point where they're really out of energy. They sat down at a water point, they ate, um, chilled out a bit, and then they could actually get back mm. on their bike and make it to the finish without, you know, without feeling really uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. So you, you can, you know, if you're not racing for time, mm. you can absolutely recover from a, a little bit of an underfeed, but I yeah. think it's quite difficult to come back from a, mm. you know, a nausea. Yeah, I think my, like, just from experience, from like, as you said, like your first one is a shot in the dark, but the only one I haven't finished, <laughs> I I got nauseous. You yeah. know, it's like I ate, I must have eaten too much or, you know, something like that. Um, and then it's important, then I, then you can't recover from that. Whereas, there's a I, dash. Yeah, it is. <laughs> RIP. Um, but like, if you, you know, whereas the amount of times that I've bonked and finished is all of the time. Yeah, every time. <laughs> yeah, every time. I, <laughs> so that's actually quite good advice. Yeah, I've never listened to him before. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard him speak before. Yeah. <laughs> I should do that more often. Yeah, all the background noise always. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that is actually very interesting because I, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't have said that at all. Mm. That's, um, that's a completely not like different thing, but it's completely not the way that I would have expected that mm, answer yeah. um, to come out. So that's, uh, and it makes complete sense. I mean, when you get to a point where you're just absolutely nauseous, yeah. like throwing up, vomiting, you're in a bad place no, and you're, you're putting yourself- Like, uh, yeah, that's, it's very interesting. And you're putting yourself at risk, I think, um, yeah. in, in a way that you don't, when you're bonking, like everyone knows you get so hungry, you want to eat the pavement, yes, but yes. <laughs> that's a solution. There's like, yeah, a, yeah, there's, there's a, just an easy solution. To I, yeah. I think what's very true though is, you know, what Barry said about the, it depends if you're racing for time or for the, for like, um, you know, if you're a pro or something like that, then you mm. have to get that perfect and you shouldn't overfeed or underfeed, just yeah. perfect. But, but like, if you just, if your goal is to finish, like my goal was at the desert dash, I should have done it that way. Like just un, like, underfeed slightly and then mm. you've got the whole day to eat everything next to the road <laughs> yeah yeah no fair enough yeah but it's an interesting thing to weigh up i mean uh i think on those on those multi-day stages then sorry yeah, we so haven't gotten to that so yeah. so yeah going over into <clears throat> multi-stage you, you said absolutely the right thing that you are actually eating for the next day um so yeah you um once again, you preferably want to get it right, but mm. uh, if it's your first stage race, um, you also don't go and suddenly eat stuff that you haven't mm. uh, used in training. I mean, mm. if, you, if you're going to go ride a stage race, part of your training should be testing out what works for you up to three hours, four hours, five hours, however long you plan to ride your stages. Um, but once again, I, I would say, I, rather have a bit of a hunger knock than getting nauseous you know mm. so um 
yeah, but I mean, the more you do these stage races, the, the better you get at eating and drinking the right amount. Uh, and it's definitely, yeah, I mean, there's a saying out there that you're eating for the next day. Mm. And then, I mean, really important after your stage within the first half an hour, you want to take in carbs and protein. Okay. Uh, so most people would opt for a recovery drink because it's just easy to get down and it's mm. the right ratios. But you can also, you know, eat a piece of chicken or nuts and combine that with fruit uh, okay. f- for carbs. And you want to try sounds easier. You you <laughs> want to try get that in as quickly as possible after the yeah. after the ride yeah. and and sort of help muscle recovery. So it and, helps it helps to replace your glycogen levels in your muscles which is the storage of carbohydrate in your muscles and obviously okay. the protein helps with muscle recovery okay. repair you know the repair of your muscles yeah and so when you're when you're sort of setting yourself the goal of planning your maybe your meal plan for a race um and you're looking at a specific thing uh i'm trying to maybe get a couple hints for <laughs> a, a race coming up but uh so th- okay there is a race coming up it's called the gallows um and it's out in mcgregor and, and basically the whole race is almost pan flat until you get to the last 10 k's and it's just a, like a rocket ship straight up that's where you do the um, bike switch <laughs> that's a yeah. bike to yeah. the bottom climbing and you get your hill climbing bike <laughs> yeah. your road bike exactly and then uh, I'm going to do the climb in my aero yeah. suit as well yeah. Uh, so yeah but it, when you when you kind of I guess you know the um, lie of the land the, yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, and you, you know what you're in for in a day. I mean, you can always have a look uh, at, r- at race profiles and see how long, how far, how much elevation and all of those things. Um, can you take those kinds of things into account when you're planning for, for like, a, a, like a meal plan? For example, if you... The other thing about the, the gallows is it's only 110 Ks, I think. So it's not a particularly long race, but the last 10 Ks will take you about an yeah. hour. Oh, so... Um, on a on a good day, I'd say. Uh, so, the time there kind of outweighs the number of of kilometers that you need in that last ten k's. How would you go about planning for for something like the gallows? Yeah, I I I think um, you'd probably be doing a bit of bunch riding there. Mm. Um, so it would be good to f- feed as as much as possible until you you know you start with a climb and then maybe look at a gel at the at the bottom of the climb and if you're really taking strain you know maybe in the last third have another gel okay um because that's just easier to assimilate when you you know under climbing Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah and also that i feel like that that climb is so steep uh you're gonna have you're gonna have difficulty like reaching (laughs) exactly (laughs) trying to find a way to explain that but i think yeah uh, there's certain pitches on that climb that are just super steep super steep um okay so so you can kind of uh give yourself a runway of of snacks uh throughout the race, um, drinking lots of fluids um, and eating as much as you can. And then as soon as you kind of get to that that climb, maybe from, I think Lords is 
20, 50 or 15 Ks away from the, from the top before it starts getting really um, steep. Uh, so maybe there's like that 5K um, segment there. Uh, and, and I guess then you can start going into your gels and, and start just racking it up yeah. there because there's nothing else left for you to do once you get to the top. You yeah. can kind of max it out to the extreme, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and maybe, I mean, it would be nice to, you know, see if you can do a little tester somewhere just to mm. see how you, you know, if you're not used to taking gels, I would mm. just test it in a, in a training ride. Yeah. I would suddenly go and do, it's the old thing, you know, don't try new stuff on yeah. race day. Yeah. Um, and then one other thing I, I, I still wanted to, to chat about as well. I know a lot of people suffer from, and I think maybe this is a you know similar reason to why you kind of started the company in the beginning. But a lot of people that I speak to um, with nutrition on the bike, uh, on trying to eat these bars, trying to eat the gels, a lot of them are just uh, like they'll they'll cause a whole bunch of different issues um, for sensitive stomachs specifically. Yeah. I mean, I know if especially races in the morning if if the first thing i'm having for breakfast is a bar or a gel then like the rest of the day is not going to be good <laughs> not safe for work <laughs> not safe for work absolutely not um so yeah i guess uh is that a, is that something that you can also i guess train um that you were talking about like uh even even the the lighter sort of less invasive bars um like the endurance bars, even those I found as well can sometimes like, you know, just uh, it's the wrong time of day when yeah. I'm eating and I'm eating it on an empty stomach or it's just I've had seven <laughs> 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 and I should be eating three. <laughs> but yeah, how do you kind of deal with with those kinds of things? Um, and what would be your advice for people with with sort of sensitive stomachs trying to get more out of their nutrition? Yeah, I think sensitive stomach um, definitely avoid any chemical additives that that already makes a big difference it sorts out I would say 90% of guys mm. uh, with stomach issues uh, we you know if we're now specifically talking about stomach issues um, then also some people are definitely fructose intolerant uh, you know, so, but that's something you have to kind of test for yourself. Test, so okay. use products with fructose, see how you feel on it. And if you've got issues, then try products without mm. fructose. Uh, it's especially isolated fructose, you know, that comes in, in uh, powder or liquid form uh, is that is that what you'd mostly find like in a carb drink or a yes so our so, carb drink doesn't have fructose okay but but there, there's a caveat to it that uh fructose gets transported through a different transporter so you can take theoretically take more carbs if you do take fructose okay I so see. what we've done is we our, our gel naturally contains fructose okay. and there's a lot of other gels that also contain fructose um, but uh, through our experience, it's much more well tolerated because it's, you know, we use raw honey. Mm. It's got the enzymes to help with the digestion. Okay. Um, yeah. So also with our products, it's then easy to test mm. uh, how, you, how you react. Okay. Yeah. So without, um, right, you can drink the drink without the gels and then with the gels. 
Yeah. And, and then, you know, see if you've got any issues. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then obviously, um, you know, fiber, too much fiber can also cause problems, but you do... It's damn cornflakes. No, yeah. I was going to say But uh, yeah, you, you, do need, you do need fiber in your diet, you know, mm. so it's... Watch me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time. Yeah. <laughs> all my old brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, during racing, you don't want, it, want too much. You, you, know, you want no. a little bit of fiber, mm. um, but... Um, Maybe like two or three days leading up to your race, I've read lots where people suggest that you cut down on fiber, even like like complex carbs and vegetables and stuff, if you're really scared that, yeah. you know, of having... Oh, yeah, yeah, as, as a preventative yes, measure for yes. people who, who do have a sensitivity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can, like, and just eating simpler foods that you are used to, and that's... Mm. I don't know. That works for me. Yeah. Yeah, and also, I mean, even if I take myself as a kid, I could not. There was not a chance I could eat before I exercised. Mm. And I mean, as I got older, and I, you know, I didn't do it consciously, but I mean, now if I think back, I just started eating. I started with oats before, and then eventually I would eat oats and eggs, you know, mm. a lot within an hour or two before the race and you tolerate it. Yeah. Know? Where if, I, if you asked me to do that in high school, I would have puked around the first corner. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so you can definitely train your gut over time. Okay. Okay, I think that's that's good advice because um, it's something that, that I've had a couple people message me about and like ask, you know, what, uh, what they can do to kind of improve that, but it's good to, to hear it from from you guys <laughs> yeah maybe eat something like because you're eating the bar when you're already like halfway up chapman's peak you know yeah. like you're ready but maybe if you eat while your heart rate's low and you still at home you eat your little mm. bowl of oats and then you eat whatever later on then your stomach is already used to it mm. yeah and i think like the training part really does make a big difference um if i if i look at sort of my own body uh if i go for long periods of time without doing sort of training rides where i'm just sort of riding which means i'm riding to a coffee shop and like grabbing a americano and a croissant and it's not like it's not the same as a bar whereas if you're training and you're, you're eating bars and gels and stuff it's a whole different kind of i find it's a whole different digestion experience uh, <laughs> surely yeah. americano and a croissant dust is not gonna go down it's not that innocent of a thing to eat no no definitely Jeez. not but Your my heart rate he yeah exactly we do it I'm, every day i'm well trained yeah. in the art of americano and croissant yeah. <laughs> it was so good in there yeah exactly i dip my endurance bar in the americano and then, yeah anyway <laughs> cool no i think that's 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 perfect um and then Lastly, I just wanted to say or kind of ask uh, to, to round up the whole conversation. Um, shameless plug for Endurin, but what is it that you feel really sets your products apart from the rest of the competition? Um, and what can it provide people that uh, the other products don't? Yeah, so I, I, I think our ethos is to keep our products as clean and simple as possible. Mm. So you can go and look at our ingredients lists. We don't have um, 
long lists of ingredients with stuff that you don't understand what it is. Mm. Um, and, and therefore, we find that it's much more uh, stomach-friendly and has got very little to no side effects. Mm. And I, I think, um, you know, we, we've got the same or better energy delivery um, because we don't have the side effects. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you can just go and look at our athletes, um, you know, anything from racing the Dakar to the Cape Epic to, um, you know, 160k runs, yeah. 100 miler runs. They, they, you know, we've we've got guys in in all of those disciplines doing mm. really well, uh, and also older athletes that that's been with us. Uh, there's a guy called Ian Don Washop. He's in his fifties. He's still when he rocks up at a at a ultra distance run, people still worried. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, maybe Nico Fitz and my, uh, you know, these guys race into their late 40s. Mm. Janil, um, or is, yeah, he, yeah, is he, he going to be offended if I say that he's older <laughs> than 40? <laughs> De Villiers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the Dakar specialist. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, older than 50. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. That's crazy. Uh, Just to like add on to that, the, together with the simplicity comes the, the subtle taste that I think is very important mm. because um, as we were speaking about like taste fatigue and things like that, um, anyone would know after like three hours of like drinking syrup water, you yeah. just, you know, or like some funky flavor. Um, I think that's, that's very unique. There, there's, uh, yeah, the, especially when it comes to our drinks. Um, yeah, I would say that's one of our mm. unique selling points. Awesome. Cool stuff. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so no. much for your time. Thank you yeah. so much for having me at your house. Uh, Any time. At the office, yeah. at the headquarters. <laughs> um, I, I think I've learned quite a bit from this. And yeah, I think it's going to be pretty insightful for people to, uh, to, yeah, to sort of listen and, and get an insight into what can maybe help them um, be better. Yeah, people can also, I'm, I'm going to just plug, uh, yeah. people can just message Barry. I'll yeah. give them their num his number. Yeah. Um, we'll put Barry's number in the episode description and yeah, you can just message him. On the emergency him. contact okay. of like the Cedar or the Gallows race number. It's just like, if you bonk, phone this number. Yeah. <laughs> Ask for advice. Um, Bert, you guys are also running a competition at the moment uh, for the Gallows with Standard. Yes. Um, maybe just fill us in quickly about that. Yeah, I think uh, just head to Instagram to, um, yeah, I think it's the CC page. Yeah. Um, and just comment, yeah, in the comment section. And yeah, you'll get, I think it's an entry, a bike and yeah. nutrition. An entry, a bike, and nutrition, uh, all to do this race, the gallows next yes. month. So if you don't have a gravel bike and you need one, you can just uh, hop on the Instagram page. Um, I'll drop a link to that in the description as well so you can access it easily. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Oh yeah, of course, uh, use that offer code CC <laughs> on uh, enduring.co.za on checkout and you'll grab a little discount there. You'll also support the pod directly which is uh awesome so um yeah thank you so much cool thanks for having us no, awesome. absolutely <laughs> okay. yeah.